Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Pull up a stool and join us. 585-866-4FAN. 866-4326. The Sports Bar with Danger and Bataglia on the Sports Leader. 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan, Rochester. Less than 24 hours for the Buffalo Bills to get down to their final 53-man roster. Nate Geary, the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. Also, uh, WGR in Buffalo joining us in the sports bar. Nate, uh, is there a player on this roster that you scratch your head and wonder, how are they on this roster that will end up being on this roster come tomorrow? You know, it's tough because, you know, I think of the last couple of weeks, last couple of times I've been on with you guys, we've been kind of like zeroing in on some of these roster position battles, cornerback two, wide receiver. And I look at it and I look across the roster and I say, you know, I'm kind of looking at this as there isn't to me one guy standing out or like one position group where you're like, yeah, there's just, this is set in stone. It feels like there's a couple of positions defensive end to me is one interesting one right now that I, you know, I've talked during pregame feels like we haven't really talked enough about like Kingsley Jonathan's are a name to me where it's like, this is going to be a guy that's difficult to cut based on the performance he's had during the preseason. Like he, he has looked dominant at times. Um, and then you look at the wide receiver room. I think much has been made of Andy Isabella and whether, you know, Khalil Shakir, um, you know, finds his way off the roster. But I, I just don't think that a fifth round pick, um, is going to, you know, be essentially passed over for a street free agent, even if he does maybe give you some more special teams value. Um, and then like the running back position, I thought Evan did, did himself some favors um, on Saturday with that touchdown run and the overall performance he had during that game. Um, you know, Ryan Vandermark, another guy that I think is, is likely going to find himself in a roster spot. David Edwards looked really good on Saturday as well. So I don't know, I look across the roster and I say, Hey, you know, 50, it feels like 53 is pretty easy to get to. Um, and I don't think that there's going to be a lot of laboring for 52 and 53. I don't know about you guys, but it sort of feels like we've had this roster sort of set in place. And there was one or two opportunities for guys to make a move. And I'm not sure that anyone really did. And I think we're sort of at the point where this is a team that's kind of been set in stone since sometime after April. Yeah, I, there is uh, one player that I think is going to be on the final 53, but it, it certainly did not have a great first year. And second camp, we're, we're seeing him out there in the second half of the third preseason game. Talking about Kyer oh. Elam. Um, where are we at with Kyer Elam? And would Brandon Bean, if the phone rang, actually move him for a mid-round pick, would you say? It's tough. I, I think that you can, you're, can be in two schools here is that you're, you're done. It's very obvious that I think Christian Benford's going to be the guy and he's what a sixth round pick from the same draft that is basically taken over really from the end of training camp last year when Tredavious White was out and Dane Jackson had solidified that interim cornerback one role. And then Christian Benford essentially takes over as cornerback two, beating out the first round pick and then injury happens. It gives Kyrie some, some opportunity 
to get some playing time. But I think it's it's pretty firmly looked at and believed at this point that Kyrie Elam is the team's fourth corner. And being a former first-round pick, a guy that you traded up for, I think that's got to be pretty disappointing if you're Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And I, I think you look at it, again, the two schools of thought is that you cut bait, you move on because I think you've made your decision to move forward with, um, you know, with Christian Benford or – you, you keep them, and you keep them, the reason being is for the depth, right? Last year, you, you had injuries to Christian Benford early in the season. He did not end up finishing the season. And then you also had injuries to, to Dane Jackson that forced Kyrie Lim into action late in the year. And I think you want to be in a position where, if for whatever reason, you lose one or two guys at the cornerback position, that you can turn to a former first-round pick and a guy that maybe you're going to give an opportunity to get those game snaps. You know what it sort of reminds me of, guys? It, it, it kind of gives me like defensive version vibes of what had just happened in San Francisco with Trey Lance, right? Like a guy that didn't play a ton of football that needs experience and needs opportunities to play to develop. And right now I just don't think this roster um, has an opportunity for Kyra to to develop on the fly. And I think it's pretty obvious that the practice habits or the practice performance isn't there. And it's sort of forcing the hand of this coaching staff to give it to a guy like Christian Bedford, who is more consistent week in, week out, day in, day out in the film room and, um, you know, in the practice facility, and then it translates into games. And, you know, I think right now, I think I, I think we all liked what we saw from Kyer Elam in game situations towards the end of last year, but there's something amiss when it gets to the practice field. And, you know, whether that's fair or unfair or ridiculous or not, um, this is a decision that I think puts them kind of square in the focus of does trading him and, and what could you get for Kyer Elam? Because I, I don't believe this franchise where it stands right now gets a lot of value for going out there and going into fourth or fifth round pick for Kyer Elam, um, especially when you consider if there's an injury. And, and I, but I do think if you can go acquire a, a Malcolm Rodriguez from, from Detroit or a guy that could maybe potentially come in here and start at middle linebacker or push Spencer Brown, that's, a, that's maybe a player-for-player player trade I'd be more willing to have a conversation about. But for me, a mid-round draft pick with, with, for a team and a franchise with 10 of them next year doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Nate, I was paying attention to the reps that Tremaine Edmonds was getting on the, on the defensive side of the ball for Chicago, and I'm happy to report to Bills fans, Tremaine Edmonds looks like Tremaine Edmonds. He was out of place on a couple of uh, plays. He, he got caught up in a pick and wasn't able to make a play uh, on another play that led to a, a, a Bills third down conversion. I guess my question is, is as unsavory as the idea of Tyrell Dodson being your week one starting middle linebacker, do you potentially have an upgrade just by default? I don't think so. I mean, listen, you know, did they save a lot of money by not going out and signing him for $18 million and competing with Chicago? Absolutely. You've, you've met, you might have upgraded in terms of your ability to be more flexible with the roster and go out and sign that Oliver to an extension that maybe you wouldn't have done if Tremaine Edmonds had been, re- been resigned, but I think overall it's been kind of a train wreck, the position right now. And, and $18 million for the level-headed you know, ability to have some stability at the position that I think is an important position, um, I, I, I'm not sure that you, we can just agree that it's, a, that it's an upgrade by not having him here, strictly because, yes, of course, for all the things that he potentially lacks and sometimes finds himself out of position, I think he makes up for with how offenses have to game plan around his length about uh, in, in the passing game. And let's be honest, guys, there's no team – more equipped to go at the weaknesses of Tremaine Edmonds than the Buffalo Bills. There's no team that knows innately the, the, the weaknesses and the, the flaws in Tremaine Edmonds' game than the Bills and, and Josh Allen and, and Ken Dorsey. So um, I, I still think that for the Chicago Bears with TJ Edwards and, and Tremaine Edmonds, I mean, that, that's a nice, that's a really good one-two punch at the middle linebacker position for them. And, um, you know, I, I, that, that defense did not look great against the Bills starters, but 
I do think that Terrain Edmonds is a, is a really nice pickup for, for Chicago. And I do think the more we get into the season without a true answer at the position of middle linebacker, I think the more people are going to maybe appreciate what they had in Tremaine Edmonds when, uh, you know, when, when they're rotating guys in and out, because I do think even if Dotson is the guy, which I'm not convinced he is, um, I think you're going to see a lot of AJ Klein. I think you're going to see a lot of Terrell Bernard. I think you're going to see a lot of rotating in and out a lot like we saw last year with the cornerback two position. Um, so I, I, I just, it's tough because of course, you know, in a preseason game, you, you kind of see him out of position. You see all the, the sort of buzzwords people complain when they, you know, had to watch Tremaine Edmonds for the last five years. But I also think the presence alone and, and maybe the knowing you have a guy that's, you know, a top seven, top eight player in his position. Um, I, I, I think there's real value to that. Nate Gary, Buffalo Bills Radio Network is our guest here in the sports bar. So if there's one thing about Brandon Bean, I think we can all kind of agree on if, if there is a player available that Brandon Bean's just going to talk to him, use that, you know, like go back to OBJ. Or I use this in the context of it wouldn't surprise me if Brandon Bean actually talked to the representation, uh, the Jonathan Taylor. Not that it means anything. So we have this report that Brandon Bean was maybe kind of searching around. Uh, go back to Trey Lance here. Is that just Brandon Bean being Brandon Bean? I'm going to talk to to everyone and and everything, or or is there actually a concern here about uh, the backup quarterback position on this team, Nate? I think you can look at it and say there might be a concern about the backup quarterback position, but I think 29 NFL teams have concerns about their backup quarterback position. I think it's a lot like offensive linemen, even teams with starting quarterbacks, they might even feel good with probably don't feel great about they Cause they don't, I mean, what, how many teams truly have a franchise quarterback? Is it single digits? Is it 10, 12, 15 teams at the very most with true franchise quarterbacks that they wouldn't take the first opportunity to upgrade as soon as they were given it. So I, I think that it's a difficult conversation because I think the bills don't really have a backup quarterback with a similar skill set to Josh Allen. And I think if you look at Trey Lance, you look at a guy who was talked about as being this draft or that the 2021 drafts version of Josh Allen and, you know, tread carefully anytime you're trying to have that conversation, because I, I think he's a unicorn and a guy that, you know, it's going to be tough to compare to, but it's going to continue to be compared to year after year, draft after draft, whatever big guy with a big arm that can run is going to be, um, or in that it lacks, you know, true real playing experience in the, in the high level division one football, all of those people will be, you know, in one way or another compared to Josh Allen. So I think for me, he offered you an opportunity at a pretty low price because of the guarantees already paid up by San Francisco to upgrade the, the quarterback room behind Josh Allen, but provide some continuity in terms of playing style. Um, where if Josh Allen were to miss an extended period of time, you feel like Trey Lance could come in and do all the things that Josh Allen can do. Maybe not at the same level, obviously. He's a, a top three quarterback in the league. But be able to make the throws and be able to have the athleticism in the run game and some of the read option and RPO stuff that you see Josh do. But you don't feel like you have to change it like you're probably going to have to do with Kyle Allen or Matt Barkley. So um, I think that's maybe more so what it represented than anything else. But I, I still kind of sit here and I'm, I'm, I am wondering, like, you know, what value does Trey Lance even have for the Dallas Cowboys right now? I mean, I think everybody agrees what the guy needs is playing time. Um, and no team that could really offer him playing time seemingly was interested in signing him so or trading for him. So really interesting situation. I mean, it really looks pretty bad on San Francisco that they, they basically moved on for a mid-round pick for a guy that they gave up three first-round picks and a second-round pick for. Um, but it is interesting to me that the Bills were, were sort of listed as a team interested in, and in the negotiation process, so much so that – it said they offered a fifth-round pick and were basically beat out by the Dallas Cowboys who gave up a fourth in return. So um, really interesting overall. But, yeah, I think it did 
it speaks to me a little bit that if, you know, Brandon Bean has a first over or first round grade or a second round grade on Trey Lance and two years later has an opportunity to acquire him for a fourth or fifth round pick. Um, yeah, I think you have that conversation and you look to upgrade at positions where you can upgrade, especially if they're lower priced ones like the backup quarterback position. Nate, I'm curious to see who ends up on this offensive line, because for all the talk of development, you have a couple of young players and you have a couple of veteran players that are fighting for roster spots. And if you keep David Kessenberry and Ike Butker over guys like Ryan Vandemark and Alec Anderson, you're kind of showing that that the you know veteran familiarity and guys that have been here longer mean more than the development of two guys that spent the entirety of last season on the practice squad, have the versatility that you also say you're looking for. How do you think this all plays out here when you get behind the starting five on the offensive line for the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I think it's super interesting, but I, I think the one part that you mentioned there is Questenberry does have some position flexibility. He played guard at times last year, but this is a team right now that I think needs a true tackle. I think they've got plenty of options on the interior of this offensive line. Obviously, Ryan Bates can play all positions, and I think I really liked what I saw from David Edwards, or I think he can play both guard positions. And then, you know, I, you, you look at what um, Alec Anderson can do. I think he can play both guard positions and even dabbled a little bit on Saturday at right tackle. Yeah. Um, I think the position flexibility is going to matter a lot to who ultimately makes the team. And I think they know what they have in David Questenberry. I do think that there is a level of development still needed for a guy like Alec Anderson, a guy like uh, Ryan Vandermark. But I, I look at both of those and I see more ceiling opportunity um, and maybe even a little bit more position flexibility. So I think for me, the young guys to me are going to get the nod over the veterans simply because, and, and I do wonder, does this maybe open an opportunity for, for Brandon Bean to move on from one of these veteran tackles or one of these veteran players? But I think ultimately where I stand is keep the young guys offer, you know, they, they offer that position flexibility. And I think they offer maybe a little bit of a higher ceiling than what you're going to have in, you know, David Questenberry and, and, um, and a guy like Mike Butker, who I, I like a lot, but, you know, I, I think really, lost a step after that Achilles injury two years ago and maybe hasn't really been the same player. And I think for me, I'd much rather see, uh, you know, Alec Anderson who has that position flexibility that I don't think maybe Ike has to move to tackle if need be. Uh, Nate, do the Bills, do Von Miller, do they both, if he's not 100% ready to go, do they have the discipline to say, you know, it's important that this opening game is against the Jets. We're not going to do this here. What's your read on it? Because it, it, it's certainly looking like Von will start on PUP, correct? I think my read on the situation is right around week eight is when I would expect Von Miller to be back. And I think that's sort of been everyone's working theory for the last several months that dating back to the, you know, maybe after the draft. But I think the ultimate insurance policy ended up being the bills going out and signing Leonard Floyd. And I don't want to say that that was sort of the signal or the smoke flare to say like, Hey, we don't think Von Miller's going to be ready to start the season. We better have a veteran that we can turn to. We know has experience. We know has had success in the league, but I ultimately think that you, you, there's no benefit in rushing Von Miller back. Um, you, you signed him last year um, to be a guy that could make plays for you in December and January, and he didn't even make it to that. So I think for me, making sure that he is as close to 100% by the end of December going into January, I think there might not be a more important thing for this team to do. So for me, yeah, I think you sacrifice the, last, the first eight games, and you look what happens and, and what the schedule looks like after the bye week man, there's no better time to be ramping up Von Miller than after the bye week when you're facing teams like, you know, the, you, you've got the Jets, you've, you've got Kansas City, you've got the Chargers, you've got Dallas, you've got, you've got a pretty loaded back end of the schedule. 
have Von Miller ramping up during that period and not over the first eight weeks of the season. I, and I know he's only going to technically going to miss four games, but he can't start practicing until week five then. And, and I don't like the idea of getting him on the practice field for a week and then putting him in game situations. I think there's going to be a legitimate ramp up period that will take place after he's available and off the PUP list. Um, and then you activate him and you let him roll. But I, I've sort of been circling week eight um, really, really all offseason. Do you see any surprises on the defensive line outside of Miller there? I mean, when, when you look at the names that, that we're, we're discussing here, a defensive end and A.J. Epineza, Shaq Lawson, Boogie Basham, they all feel like they're making this team. But what about interior defensive linemen? What about the, the guys like Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips coming back from that shoulder? These guys are safe, in, in your opinion, Nate? Yeah, I think they're going to go with five interior defensive linemen and five edge players, so 10 overall defensive linemen. They like to use their rotation a lot. I think Puna Ford maybe didn't have the impact that I thought he would have uh, early in preseason, but I do think he's an interesting player and an interesting piece right behind Daquan Jones. I think Ed Oliver had a really good start to the preseason game on Saturday. He's, I'm really interested to see what Ed Oliver can do um, with a healthy defensive line. And, and when, you know, when, when Von Miller comes back, too, I, I think that there's something, something to be said about him not getting a lot of snaps with Russo and Miller on the edge. Uh, that teams can really kind of zero in and on and, and make sure they're double teaming and not Oliver. And I think when Rousseau is healthy and when Von Miller is healthy, it makes things really difficult for opposing offensive coordinators and offensive lines to sort of zero in on Ed Oliver in the interior. So I think for me, um, I think you've got 10 defensive linemen who that fifth edge player is for now while Von's on the PUP list. You know, I, I think it's going to be a really difficult decision between AJ Epinesa and Boogie Basham when Von Miller comes back. Um, because ultimately I think AJ Epinesa every step of the way has shown um, that he's put himself in a better position than Boogie Basham has. And Boogie Basham to me doesn't bring a lot to the table in terms of pass rush moves, athleticism. He's just kind of a motor guy. And well, if you've got a quarterback that stays in the pocket long enough, he'll find you. Where at least I think I started to see some of that development last season from AJ Epinesa, a guy who's got a little bit more juice. He's longer um, and, and I think is maybe the overall better player. So I think for me, um, that maybe that the real interesting part of the conversation doesn't start until Von Miller is activated and who that defensive end is going to be the odd man out because I do think that'll end up being Boogie Basham. Talking to Nate Gary, Buffalo Bills Radio Network. Um, Nate, we had this story. I think it's a big story. Uh, the, the Sabres naming Terry Bagula uh, the team president. It's his team, but uh, in that press release, they mentioned that they're dissolving Pagula Sports in entertainment and it is one of those stories like, alright, well, well, tell me more. What's the reason behind it? So, Nate, it's just uh, there's endless possibilities. What do you make of this news today? The PSC is going to be no more. It's not super surprising. I think most of the outside business ventures have been relative flops. Um, you know, whether it's the restaurant side of the business, the, the quote entertainment side of the business just has not really, um, and listen, COVID hurt a lot of their endeavors, their business endeavors and their business ideas. Um, but ultimately separating the sort of the powers that be, um, I think is interesting and it doesn't really feel like it's all that separate, right? Because Terry and, and, uh, their COO, um, are still going to be president and COO of each organization, the top two teams, the Bills and Sabres. Um, so what level of separation really exists, I think, really just kind of stems from they're no longer going to be under the PSE umbrella. Um, so I think for me, it's it's news, but I'm just not really sure I know what the news is. And I, I kind of feel, I sort of feel this way about everything that's gone on, because the problem, I guess, my biggest problem that I have with, you know, the, the Sabres going with Terry Pagula as the president, which I think brings a level of continuity. It was Kim before, it's Terry now. Um, I don't think there's a huge difference in that, but 
you know, I, Terry doesn't really speak to the media very often. And I think if you're the leader of a franchise now, a sports franchise, and you're not just the owner, but now you're the president, um, you know, I, I think there's an expectation that you've got to speak to the media and that there's going to be opportunities for you to address the media and talk about the team and talk about the state of the franchise, whether it's business um, or just, you know, on ice or, 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 or whatever it, it, it may be. That to me is maybe the more puzzling part is I do think you want somebody to be the leader of your franchise that's going to be out there. It's going to be front and center. But I also don't know how, you know, like how important that move is for the Sabres. Kevin Adams is running everything hockey related. So this feels more like a president of business operations than it does really. Terry's going to be going to be making hockey decisions now. I think this franchise really trusts Kevin. I think Kevin's shown that he can be trusted, make the right personnel moves, make the right um, you know, front office moves, the people that he surrounded him with are really good. They're very smart people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the news is other than I'm not surprised that they, that, that Terry named himself the president. I think I'm just more surprised that there wasn't more to the story than PSC is dissolving and, you know, Terry Pagula is taking over as president. I feel like that was kind of always going to happen. So I'm, I, I am more interested in maybe the what's next than I am of what happened today. Nate, we're getting closer to kickoff. We'll have an opportunity to talk to you throughout the course of the season. Appreciate all the work you're doing on the Buffalo Bills Radio Network and WGR. And as always, appreciate your time this afternoon, brother. Thanks, fellas. Enjoy the rest of your week. You got it. Nate Gary, WGR in Buffalo. Also, the Buffalo Bills Radio Network pre- and post-game. Yeah. What is, the, in your opinion, the toughest decision they're going through right now? I, I think it's that offensive line. When you've got a guy like Ike Butker who you've shown some loyalty to. He's been with the team for a few years and he's trying to battle back and he's just not the same player that he was before that Achilles injury as Nate referred to. Or a guy like David Cressenberry, another guy who's been with the team for the last few years, who's done everything you've asked him to do and now you're saying, hey, well, we're going to expose you guys and, and you know, if all things work out, you can be one of our veterans on the practice squad when it's all said and done. I think it's the other side of the ball. Um, having Von Miller go on PUP and getting that's just speculation. But if that happens, all right, that means you can keep an Epineza and a Boogie Basham. And a Shaq Lawson. <sighs> mm, that's where I'm like, do, do, do they go with Kingsley Jonathan? No. King- I, think, I think you can keep five, right? If, if we go, if you go 10 defensive linemen, five defensive ends, five on the interior. So you have Lawson over Jonathan. I do. Yeah. So I'm, no surprises on the defensive line. I, not really. No. I, I I think that, you know, I mean, I know some people want to say Jordan Phillips is is probably suspect. I think Jordan Phillips is on this team. I think he's safe too. I think Tim Settle is on this team. I'm not so sure about Settle. It turned out okay yesterday. What about Puna Ford? Saturday. Puna Ford's on the team. Okay. Yeah, Puna Ford's on the team. I, I think the guys that you're you're exposing would be your Eli Anku at defensive tackle. And your Kingsley Jonathan at defensive end. Mm. And if they can somehow sneak through, then who knows? Maybe you have them on your practice squad. Um, Kingsley Jonathan would be great on the practice squad. I think, um, I don't know, Eli Anku, I don't know if he's even going to be good enough to make the practice squad or if somebody else picks him up. But Kingsley Jonathan, if he's available, yeah, I think you'd take him on the practice squad. I'm thinking Jonathan over Shaq Lawson at this point. Mm. You got an eye toward the future. Yeah, I... I don't know about that one. Well, how, well, then why say everybody? There, there are no injuries when Von Miller does come back. Well, now you have to make a tough decision. You make a tough decision. Now yeah, you have to yeah. make a tough decision. Now, now you have to look at all right. Who's been the game day inactive? Has there been any game yeah. game day inactives? And and 
a wide receiver too. Like Khalil Shakir is making the team, but I don't know that Khalil Shakir is active on game day. No, <laughs> no, because you know, like, you're it's Sherfield and Hardy. Yeah, you'll you'll activate five, and that'll be it. Right, and, and, and so it's Shakir's going to have to work hard to get back into this lineup. That's right. Uh, great stuff from Nate Geary as well. Uh, appreciate him stopping by. Some other news and notes from around the NFL here quickly before we get to happy hour. Oh, we have this breaking news danger. We'll save it for when we get back. Um, who's starting at quarterback for Arizona? Yeah. And James Gannon uh, gives us his answer on that. Yeah. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. We'll have some breaking news. It's. It, we'll tell you this. It's not Colt McCoy. <laughs> no. Um, we, we do have the, the names of the players that have been already moved on from, from the Buffalo Bills. That includes defensive tackle Cortez Broughton, wide receiver Isaiah Coulter, safety Jared Maiden, tackle Garrett McGinn, wide receiver Desmond Patman, tight end Jace Sternberger, got to hold on to the rock kid, linebacker Deshaun White, uh, and Shane Ray was uh, released mm. off of uh, injured reserve as well. If he's going to actually make a, a full comeback to the NFL, it'll be with a team other than the Buffalo Bills. Uh, from over the weekend, Gino, I don't know if you saw uh, Josh Jacobs, obviously got, got signed with the Raiders. In a nice spot here now because he's got a base this season of 11.8. It's a one-year deal. If the Raiders were to exercise the tag again next year, puts Jacobs actually in a really good spot to make over $14 million under the franchise tag in 2024. And of course, if they don't tag him again, he becomes a free agent, in which case he'll probably make more than $14 million in guarantees with whatever team decides to sign him. Just kind of an odd sight that he's coming back in and pictures of him hugging the GM out there where I guess it was all business. business We're all fine. Business. Yeah, business is business. Um, it wasn't a surprise, but it's official now down in Houston where CJ Stroud will start week one for the Texans in Baltimore. He's been getting most of the work with the first string offense uh, through training camp of the preseason. Yeah, and... That's that's our chalk pick for Survivor Week One, right? That is the chalk one. But now, it just coincidentally, earlier in the show, where I'm picking one game uh, a, week, a day here is leading up to Week One. All mm. right, not a sexy matchup, but interesting that Washington, a team we're not all high on, but they're giving up seven points Week One to who? To Arizona. Okay, well, remember who's that quarterback? Ah, it's going to be Colt McCoy. No, it's not. Yeah. They released Colt McCoy today. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the Cardinals, uh, says uh, they're not going to disclose who's going to be the starting quarterback. Oh, week one. so sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one guy we know that we'll, we'll be looking for work, and we know I have some Penn State fans that listen to the sports bar. Uh, Trace McSorley didn't make the Patriots. And that's a guy that's bounced. Speaking of Arizona, was in Arizona last year at this time. Uh, he's bounced around quite a bit uh, since his time at Happy Valley. Bailey Zappi behind Mac Jones. And the guy that I liked, from the preseason, Malik Cunningham, playmaker, start him, mm. you cowards. He could in, actually end up being an option uh, for the Patriots as well. And there is a trade and a little bit of hot kicker talk to get to here. Oh, yeah. Rough preseason for fourth-round pick Cade York, 2022 fourth-round pick. The Browns have acquired Dustin Hopkins, a former Buffalo Bill, from the Chargers. Cleveland will send L.A. a 2025 seventh-round pick to complete the trade. <laughs> York will be waived. And Hopkins, who lost the Chargers' kicking job to Cameron Dicker. Dicker the kicker. So hot. Uh, yeah, Hopkins will be the Browns' kicker immediately. While, yes, Cameron Dicker is your new kicker. Oof. 
in I'm LA. I'm telling you, knowing that Cameron Dicker is making this, the, the rounds there in, in LA, I might need a cigarette after that hot kicker talk, Gino. Woof. Cleveland, you got your guy. Congratulations. Let's get to happy hour next in the sports bar. We've got a round of shots. And we have time for your phone calls if you want to join us. The Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub Wingman Line at 866-4FAN. Best barbecue in town. That's easy. Good Smoke Barbecue and Pub in East Rochester. Award-winning barbecue, lunch, dinner, catering, and must-try weekday specials like Taco Tuesday, Wacky Wing Wednesday. Tuesdays, uh, you got Good Smoke's Chicken, Pork, or Beef Gorditas for only 3 bucks. Wacky Wing Wednesdays, buy one, get one free. Wings, Good smokes giant signature wings for buy one get one free on all six or 12 wing dine-in orders on top of that good smokes super happy hour features buy one get one draft beers and three dollar well drinks weekdays from two to six good smoke barbecue and pub 135 west commercial street in east rochester odyssey has sports for every fan keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts a-u-d-a-c-y odyssey This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 